everybody. Uh, welcome to your favorite 20-ish minutes or so of the day. This is the Precisely Simple Podcast, your source for the latest news, interviews, and stories from the manufacturing world. Here, we're going to dive headfirst into the world of manufacturing, really, and the people who make it thrive. Uh, I'm Brandon. And I'm Kyle. <laughs> and uh, hey, you know what? We're not here to waste your time, so let's get right into it. So the first thing I wanted to do, Kyle... Uh, I, I want to ask this question because it kind of seems like in the shop, there's no yellow. It's either it's red light or it's green light. Either you have had a heck of a week and you are flying through parts or you accidentally stepped on a nail and the rest of the day in the week is trash and nothing ever gets done. So, <laughs> <laughs> so oh, welcome to the joys of the factory. <laughs> so if this week was intentionally plain, if this week, oh God, if this week was 2020, if 2020 was plain, <laughs> but if this week was plain, red light, green light with you, what would it have been? I would say it was probably somewhat of a green light. We didn't have a ton of machines running, but I was also integrating some new equipment uh, over on the welding side. So I, it, it was good. I, I got a lot done, not as much as I would like, but that's pretty much every week anyway. So I mean, that means you were in there working, right? If, yes. <laughs> if you didn't yes. actually get everything done. Yep. Okay. Yep. So okay. It, it was a good week. It was by no means a red light. I have had those weeks before, and that sucks. Mm. Yeah. Um. So. We have been uh, same, except I'm kind of actually this one. Uh, no, I'm wrong. I lied. Red light, full on red light. Absolutely non-productive. Yeah, just I just hit the hard brakes. Uh, I, you know, I was getting so much more accomplished for uh, the last two months, and so far the last two weeks has just been making up for that by just coming to a grinding halt and getting absolutely nothing done. But. Um, I did get a few more pieces of PPE made this week for uh, some some Good. dentists uh, in the local area. So I just now I just needed to deliver them because I should have done that on Friday and I didn't. <laughs> are y'all still full bore on that stuff? Or? We are not. We're we're okay. we're at a stop now. Um, and. Um, it was. I mean, it was good. We got. You know, we got a lot of national recognition out of it, and that was amazing. Um, yeah, all over the news and the papers, and it, yeah, all that stuff, man. That it, was awesome. It, it was overwhelming. Uh, I got nominated for some awards and all that in our in our field, and it was pretty amazing. Um, but uh, yeah, no, we're kind of stopped now. We're trying to figure out what we're gonna where we're gonna move forward and what's gonna happen. Hey, I did. Uh, I I acquired some funding recently. Good. So so that's good. So we're gonna is we have gonna go to new machines or is it? It's kind of an R. It's an R and D grant. Okay. So we're gonna buy some more equipment and try to see if we can integrate a little bit of AI into it. That's awesome. Yeah, I I I, I do feel maybe we should give uh, people a little bit of introduction. Okay. I, I think I think we jumped past that a little bit. Did we dive right in like everybody automatically knew who we were? Yeah, who we were. Yeah. So let's let's backtrack just just a hair on the first part. Uh, so uh, my name is Kyle. I own a manufacturing uh, and technology company uh, here in Georgia. Um, I've been at it oh, on my own since twenty no twenty twelve. Uh, is when I officially started the shop, but yep. I've known Brandon since uh, quite a bit before that. Uh, we worked together at a previous uh, industrial company, um, but my background is a lot of fabrication, machining. I uh, went to school for mechanical engineering, but have been pretty hands-on most of my life, and that has kind of led to 
you know, being in the manufacturing and technology development side of, of the industry and uh, currently currently own a, a vastly growing shop that we've been very, very fortunate. Even with all this stuff, we've 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 been very, very lucky. So um, uh, and, you know, in other episodes, I'll get further down the rabbit hole of some stuff that, uh, <laughs> that I do <laughs> and uh, that I, I get involved in. But that's the uh, that's the, the 45 second spiel. There you go. Uh, You know, I have been a manufacturing professional since um, 2004. So we're coming up on 16 years now. Um, I've had an opportunity to work in motorsports. Um, uh, We've worked in uh, the energy sector and a little bit in education. Um, And it's been, you know, it's been great. It was nothing that I expected. I initially planned on going into the Catholic priesthood. (laughs) (laughs) and uh you know that just didn't pan out that didn't work out and um i slowly found my way into manufacturing and once i once i got my hands on a lathe and a mill in a machine shop and i realized that if i couldn't find the tool i could make the tool it that was it life was was completely changed and i have not slowed down and have been that way the whole time and it's it's grown immensely for me and i'm in a amazing place right now i'm thrilled with everything we do and i've had a chance to interact with a lot of sides of our of our field of our sect here you know additive and subtractive and some high-end stuff, some advanced stuff, and then some really low-end stuff. But uh, me as a person, I am very much what I learned in main in in grassroots racing. I apply still. You run what you brung. So I am a big fan of we don't necessarily need the next new expensive tool. Maybe we can figure out a way to use what we've got to get the most out of it in ways other people might not have thought of. Um, and it's, it's lended me very well for a long time, so I still stick with that mentality. Um, yeah, but I, I just like to buy a new tool. I know who doesn't, <laughs> we, uh, we have some, uh, we have some robots in our facility that are exactly that way is the, uh, the company that builds them wants to come in and actually film, uh, for what we're using the robots for. Cause they're completely not what they thought they were going to be used for. And, and that's, that's one thing I, I truly enjoy about what I, what I can do is, I truly think outside the box and so much of our manufacturing and so much of these stuff is, is while frustrating at times because it's completely experimental and we have, <laughs> we really have no <laughs> basis for comparison. Um, when it gets right, it is, it is so gratifying um, of being able to really look at and solve a problem. Like that's, that's manufacturing. You are solving a problem, whether it's for yourself, whether it's for a customer, uh, whether it's just for a, you know a general question is that's that's the beauty of manufacturing. People should know that professionally, that's one of the reasons that Kyle and I get along so well. Is we're yeah. both that kind of way. We're like, uh, was this tool? Are we supposed to use a uh, center drill to to chamfer something? I don't know. It's broken. Why not? Let's try it. <laughs> I, I, I can tell you, at fifteen thousand RPM, it does a really good job. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> you never made it anywhere until you have jeweled something with, uh, you know, an old Dremel uh, yep. sanding disc or something like that. Okay, yep. let's get back into it. We're getting sidetracked. So today, sorry, today, sorry, <laughs> I, I, I felt it was good for the first episode. We talked to you in the introduction. We said we would be breaking this up into sections. So our first section is the manufacturing minute. I want to talk about something new. Uh, this technology is not necessarily new, but you know, it's been going through some 
evolutions lately, and given that so many people are working remotely, I think it's relative to the time. Uh, I'm talking about Onshape, and those of you who have not used Onshape, you can find it at onshape.com. Uh, to make this as simple as somebody explained this to me, and it's still the simplest way I've ever understood it, this is if Google Docs was a CAD software package. Um, everything is in your entire CAD system, and that's you know computer-aided design. I assume the people listening to this know what we're talking about. Uh, the CAD system is browser-based. It's all cloud-based. It's constantly live-saving. Um, and it's set up so that you can collaborate with your team in real time. Um, so you open it up, you open up a project file, you start making a part. If one of your team members logs in, you'll see that they've logged in there. They're watching you on their screen doing the work, manipulating the part that you're doing too. And then they can also be in there manipulating the part at the same time. And you each on your own sides have a chance to review, accept, uh, you know, comment on. It is extremely collaborative. It's like somebody took a PDM system and a CAD system and put it together. Yeah. Fascinating. Uh, you know, the only bad part of it is the, the user menus are a little quirky. If anybody is used to SolidWorks, Inventor, um, you know, those kind of are really in the same wheelhouse. That makes If you understand one, you're going to un understand the other one pretty quickly. This one's not quite as user-friendly when you know the big software but once you've had a chance to sit in it and use it, it's insane. It's incredible. Is it, is it more like Fusion-based in terms of like, – because one of our guys, before he came to us, um, he used a lot of Fusion. Um, and I, I've, I just initial look had a hard time kind of trying to figure out how the Fusion stuff worked. Right. In terms of the way you model things. You know, again, I've been using SolidWorks since 2000. 2003 right when i started using SolidWorks, so like i've you know i'm used to that I, I didn't have any problem playing with inventor at all because it was very the modules and everything was very similar is this more like fusion or is this more like a SolidWorks? Inventor? it's you know it i think it is more like a fusion or an inventor okay. um when it comes from the the desktop side of things it does okay. react more like that um you know i have we're sharing a screen here you can see they're really not even showing the software in here they're showing people talking about no. it um, but it's, it's got a lot of features in there that are harder to find in the big name softwares. Like it's very quick and easy to export to STL or multiple CAD formats. So if you're going to be 3d printing something, you can design it in this extremely yeah. fast and okay. bring it in. And then what they do is everything's worked in a massive project. So you essentially create you start off, you know, normally we create a part and then we create another part. We create an assembly and we keep going from there. This one, they anticipate you starting a project and that it will be assembled and and makes it native to how you start the file. Uh, okay. And then, and then it's very driven towards collaborating. So you don't have to have somebody sitting over your shoulder going over it. You can just say, hey, I went in there and messed with the file. Or you just say you've got team members, you put them both on it. It doesn't matter. It's showing constant updates of everything that's being done. Incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, it was, it was on my radar recently because uh, of all things, PTC just purchased them out. Yeah. Which is very interesting. Cause I hadn't heard from them in a while actually. Mm -hmm. um, so that was kind of smart. I don't know what they're going to do with it. I don't know where that's going to go. Um, but if anybody wanted to try it out, it, they have a free version. Their only stipulation, which I, you know, being a maker makes me happy. If you want to own the free version, whatever you design cannot be proprietary work. 
So if you get on there and you're designing some quirky thing to hold your cell phone on there, it will go into a Thingiverse similar style repository where somebody else can use it and make something with it too. Uh, if you want to create your own account, obviously that's where they get you and you got to pay for it. But it's interesting. Hmm. It's worth looking at if anybody's, uh, you know, I've seen this thing run on Chromebooks before. And that's saying something because there's no processing power in those. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of big companies jumping on it, actually. Uh, you see, I mean, you're seeing on this page here, Trek, NVIDIA, yeah. Garrett, um, Kishler. These are not yeah. small names. No. Um, okay. It's impressive. So that's my tech for the day. I think it's neat. I think it's worth taking a look at if anybody has or has not. Sure. So moving on from the Manufacturing Minute is kind of, I guess, our – our main segment, I guess, probably mm -hmm. the best way to call it. Yeah, our, I think so. Our, our, our headline for, for the podcast. Um, this week, we're going <laughs> to we're gonna jump right in to what are dimensioned drawings. <laughs> and then I'm what are <laughs> some of our pet peeves? I'm realizing you, you dove right into what's grinding your gears right off the bat for <laughs> episode one. <laughs> so uh, being on the mechanical side, we we do a fair share of drawings, and and I guess the the best way to describe it for those who don't know, a dimension drawing is what a lot of people um, would see. Like when you see uh, a two D, I guess drawing of a part, and you have a lot of dimensions and everything on a piece of paper to tell you the size, the shape, um, how maybe a part is supposed to be made or go together. Um, but it's essentially your it's it's the engineer's instruction manual of how to make something. I guess that's that's is that is that a pretty good description of yeah of what it what a drawing is. Yeah, people who aren't in the field would know it as a blueprint. It's not blue yep. and it's not that anyway. More normally they just call it a print or a drawing now. So yep, yep. So um, I've done my fair share of drawings mm -hmm. uh, over the years. Both, oh yeah. Uh, very simple, very complicated. I mean, I've done drawing packets on thousand part assemblies before uh some of the stuff actually that myself and brandon used to work on um there, there'd be over a thousand parts in in an assembly of something that could fit on your desk yeah that's insane. oh yeah yeah it was insane some of the stuff we used to work on so i i, I picked up a lot of things over the years on how to actually correctly do these because what a lot of people don't know is is a, a drawing packet. So if, you, if you're an engineer, if you're a designer, or even just a maker, and you send a drawing packet, or you want to have something made, or you want to make it yourself, uh, there's a lot of rules uh, to correctly correctly do this so that somebody can make your product. You know, you, you, this is your description to someone else that doesn't know what you designed. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a lot of guidelines and rules to really make uh, efficient use of time and to really convey uh, what you're trying to do. Um, and it's everything from GD&T, which is geometric dimensioning and tolerancing, uh, how you dimension, how you do your views. There's a whole bunch of stuff like that. So we'll, we're going to go over a couple little uh, tidbits and stuff I picked up over the years to, okay. um, to really make a drawing useful. Uh, I, even if you don't are not classically trained on the engineering side. I, you know, when you brought this up, I wanted to say, you know, I think drawing making is really in printmaking. That's the art form side of this. I oh, know 100%. there's, yeah. Cause you can tell a whole lot about the engineer, the machinist or the maker behind it just by looking at the drawings that they provide. Yep. 
Okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah. So that and that's I I will say I I can tell on a drawing set. I can look at a drawing set and tell what kind of person or engineer did it. You can tell Maybe if you're going to by the way by the way they do it. Um, so you know if you're going to stop into their office and yell at them or not. Yeah, of like <laughs> this is this is impossible, or you must not have never ran a machine before, or something like that. So right. that's kind of leads me to my my first, I guess, bullet point is uh, there's several types of dimensioning. There's there's your main two are called standard. Uh, and then you also have ordinate dimensioning. Mm -hmm. um, really, the difference standard is essentially your 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 dimensioning and referencing off different places in a part. So, say if you have a a round washer, uh, and you dimension, you know, your OD, your ID, your thickness, stuff like that. But say if there's some features where it's a, a, a cutout or it's a or it's a step. Um, standard dimensioning, you might dimension the step and then the other back half by themselves. But if you're trying to think of how you would make that, so say if you made it on a manual machine, well, your manual machine, you're referencing all from one point. And this is where ordinate dimensioning kind of really shines. And again, it really depends on the part. It really depends on your process of making. But ordinate dimensioning is you dimension all of your, essentially your leading dimensions off of one datum or one reference point. So if you have to make this manually, or if you have to do this, and you say you have to make this in one setup, an ordinate dimension drawing allows you to uh, look through the whole step of all these, uh, essentially go step by step for every dimension in a given section. Um, it's a lot cleaner, it's a lot more organized, and, and again, coming from a manual machining background, it is 10 times easier to read an ordinate an ordinate dimension drawing that it is say more of a standard dimension. oh Would you're you so no you're so <laughs> full of it i completely disagree no listen yeah right here's my wheel listen let me let me explain this to the people again to the people who are listening so i didn't lose you if you don't know what we're talking about let me do this in the simplest way um this is where my wheelhouse kicks in I'm going to give you a sheet of a piece of wood. You're going to drop your tape measure on it. Standard dimensioning means you're going to measure from one end of the tape measure to the other. Make your cut. Grab the tape measure. Drop it on there. Measure your distance. Make your cut and keep going. Ordinate dimension. You're going to leave the tape measure on there and mark your lines all the way down the board. Does that make sense? Hopefully to everybody. I say that like they could even listen in and reply, but that's what <laughs> <laughs> the ordinate is starting from its ordinate, its its main ordinate, its datum, and it goes all the way across. Now you listen. Ordinate dimensioning is so sexy. All right, I won't lie. When you see a page that's got three hundred ordinate dimensions going all in a row, you're like, wow, this thing looks super impressive and awfully daunting. My problem is. What's called an I I have the issue with the MMCs in that and here we go I'm pulling out an acronym minimum right. or maximum material conditions this is my yep. problem and Kyle says that yep and some of you back there are going yep in a in in an ordinate dimension you better make sure everything is right everything yep all the way across because if you messed up one early on five measurements down it's all messed up and. Ah, uh, it's tough for me. It's tough for a person being on a manual machine or, or somebody working with just limited material where I'm like, really? You didn't give me any room to work with at all. <laughs> you just want it all right. That's the I, I have always looked at ordinate engineering as either absolutely necessary from an awesome engineer or 
I'm just being stubborn and I want my part exactly the way I want it from a stubborn engineer. <laughs> yes. So, like I uh, and I and I prefaced it, there are places for ordinate dimensioning. <laughs> but there are places where ordinate dimensioning actually is more of a hindrance and will actually cost you more money in your part than standard dimensioning. Yeah. And the good engineer will know when to use both. Good I will, point. I, 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 I will give it that caveat. If, yeah. If there, there are places where it will save you money and there are places where it will absolutely destroy your budget. That's <laughs> because, <laughs> because you're like, oh man, I have 17 steps and yeah. dimensions that I have to hold. I've scrapped this five times trying to get yep. this right. Yeah, okay. That's a good one. I like that one. Okay, what else so, do you have? So uh, that kind of leads into the next one, over or under tolerancing <sighs> and what that will do to A, either the price of your part or whether it's even makeable or not. That's true. It's I think I think people who come from the maker side of the world, their tendency is to over tolerance. If I just give you enough more than enough information, then you can absolutely understand what I'm trying to do. And yeah. I have always found that that is 100% absolutely wrong. That is yep. not what happens ever. More is usually worse. Yep. Yeah. So that that's and again, that is part of the skill. It's part of the craft of, of doing good drawings is understanding when enough is enough. Because a lot of times you can over-tolerance a drawing so bad because if you look at a, you know, most standard machine shops, especially if they, have, if they have CMMs, if you provide a drawing with 50 dimensions on a stepped part and they're an ISO or AS9100 shop or NADCAP, something like that, they have to CMM every sink. They have to do 100% dimensioning. Yeah. And you wonder why your prototype for a, a stepped washer costs $1,400. Yeah. Is, it's, is it necessary? Why do you no. need to do all this for some of these? It's, it's, yeah. Exactly. <sighs> yep. A washer. So, why? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that also is the whole over tolerancing. It is also to specific dimensions. If you have a bore or if you have a, a step, you know, a, uh, uh, say you're doing a dog bowl mm -hmm. and you're dimensioning the, the radius on the bottom of your sheet metal dog bowl to three decimal places. So a, a thousandth of an inch yeah. on a formed sheet metal part. That's the kind of stuff that it's, that you're going to get a quote back of like, what, why is this sheet metal stamped dog bowl $300 a piece? There's eight cents in material there. Oh, well, it's because they had to make a custom die and have to CMM every single one you did. Yeah, and you want it correct within one-third of a human hair. Yep. Yeah, a human hair. Mm -hmm. fact, quick fact. Human hair is three thousandths of an inch. Yeah. Point zero zero three. Grab a and dial caliper and pull one out of your head and measure it. You'd be surprised. Yep. And a standard piece of paper is usually also about three thou as well. Um there are people I have seen people dimension sheet metal parts that get that they get powder coated. We're talking like like random little sheet metal boxes to a thousandth of an inch. Can and you imagine taking a hair, stretching it out vertically, and then using a knife and just doing three nice pie slices yep. down the center of it? And just one of those is how wrong you're allowed to be. That, that 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 is you can hold you can hold a part in your hand and the heat from your hand will change it a thousandth of an inch. It's true. He's now, right. granted I have both both of us have machine parts and held ten thousandths of an inch where we're holding five tenths of point zero 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 five. Yep. We have both done it. 
but those are also parts where the part has to maintain a certain temperature. You have to measure it at a certain temperature because materials shrink and expand and stuff like that. So um, that that over dimensioning of, of, of a certain part or drawing, there are places where it's applicable and there are places where it'll get you in so much trouble, it, it'll make your part unquotable or unmanufacturable. I totally agree. All right, what else you got? Cluttered drawings. <laughs> it's like a cluttered bedroom. <laughs> it's, it's exactly is. Because if you have, again, let's go back to the washer. Okay. Say you go back to <clears throat> a washer. Mm -hmm. Theoretically, you should be able to do that on one page. But what if that washer has uh, a whole bunch of machined features on the back of it or stuff like that? And you're trying to fit everything on A size, which is 8.5 by 11. And you have everything so small that on a size paper when you print it out you have to use eight point font just to get everything on there oh god there are so many dimensions everywhere and and tied and you got dimensions overlapping that it gets so cluttered that you actually can't tell which dimensions go to which features mm -hmm. so my my uh, my thought process has always been like if you even remotely stand back and look at that drawing and can't decide what that goes to, you need another page. Yeah, you need to keep it moving. <laughs> Make another page. You, you, I've, I've had 15 pages of, of drawings for mm -hmm. one part before. And that's okay. Has, and it could, Yeah, because it has so many features, and you wanted to do section views and all kinds of little stuff like that, and you just wanted to not have a cluttered mess on one page. Add another page. This is where that finesse comes in. Yeah, yeah. right? You don't yeah. want to no, over Knowing where the line is. Yes. And don't get me wrong. I've had some very cluttered pages that were still two pages because there was no other way to really do it. Yeah. But if at all possible, always, always, always go to another page. I don't. I, I completely agree. No argument <laughs> there. Absolutely. So, what else? Uh, as I was mentioned before, Detail views and section views are your friends. <laughs> Just use them. <laughs> Just use them. If you want to have another page that has a detail view of this little feature that it's really hard to dimension because it may be a 5,000 radius into a 5,000 chamfer. Okay, so if you're on standard uh, view and you're on 8.5 by 11, mm -hmm. you can't dimension that. No, because you can't Because that see line, it. especially if it's a one-to-one -one part on a drawing, right. you're not going to be able to see that. No, you're not going to see it. So... Do a do a detailed view. Takes takes five minutes. My off the side. Yeah. Uh, my rule has always been that if I'm in the middle of dimensioning the part on a drawing, and I'm having a hard time dropping. Now, mind you, when you're moving the cursor, it clicks automatically on an yeah. edge. If I'm having a hard time clicking the edge, it needs to be in a detail view. Bingo. It needs to be. You need to balloon yeah. it. You need to see it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Datums. Uh, datums is another another one if you're doing a lot of round parts uh, in our line of work we design a lot of round parts so a lot of stuff is done off of essentially center line um, and we dimension a lot of stuff based on concentricity so we dimension a lot of stuff off a of center line datum um, so if you have really important features really important sections of a part that have to be flat or parallel or concentric to something use a datum uh, GDNT, geometric dimensioning and tolerancing, will save your job. Maybe not your sanity, but it will <laughs> save your job. <laughs> so uh, there are tons of G good GDNT books. This is the number one problem I see of engineers coming out of school is lack of knowledge on GDNT. 
Oh, I mean, I've been uh, in it for 16 years, yeah. and even I still have a hard time with some of it. Yeah. Oh, I still look up stuff all the time, but that's also why I have a book on my shelf. Yeah, that's true. Of, of how to do it. So, anyway, that's my that's my soapbox for uh, <laughs> this show. Uh, dimension so, drawings, they will <laughs> they will get you in as much trouble as they will save. Oh, my God, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You, so go against the grain. Uh, go against your, your better instincts on some of it. Less is more. And wait, what is it? When it's tolerancing or when it's dimensioning, less is more. When it's pages, more is more. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Um, so let's get to the humanizing part. The last thing we're going to talk about today, we call this it's the tool's fault. Because let's be honest, when you are in the shop and something went wrong and you probably did it wrong, it was not your fault. It's the tool's fault. The of tool course, messes always. up. Dude, oh, this, uh... this CNC machine won't cut this part. It's not the, not the fact that I haven't been coding for more than two weeks, but you're right. This $50,000 machine is definitely the problem. <laughs> so so uh, I, you brought this one today, Kyle. So you tell yeah, me where, I've where is this one. Uh, <laughs> one of our newer guys, he's been learning programming. Uh, he's, he's been with me for a couple of years, but it, it's more of a, he's been just kind of a, more of a, not really a button pusher, but he's been a, he's been a helper. He's been learning setup, and we do a lot of multi-axis mill turn stuff. Uh, so we've been learning how to set up live tools and learning all stuff like that. So I've been uh, we bought some new cam software, and he's been I've been trying to push him more into cam or stuff like that. So he <laughs> came uh, last week, and he came and got me uh, like when I was done with the meeting. He's like, "Man, I'm having I'm I've killed two drill bits." This stupid just, machine. Uh, you know, stupid <laughs> machine. There's something wrong with the the probe is not is not touching all the tool on center line. So I go over and I was like, all right, well let's 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 look at code on the machine. So there I'm I'm scrolling through code and and I will say a caveat. I learned how to manually write code before I cammed, so I had a benefit. Yes. You hear the round of applause? So, yeah. So I'm I, so excited to hear I that. Always, always go back to the code. Like uh, Cam software can get you in as much trouble as, as it can help you. I'm not going to say that we had this conversation early into Kyle's machining time, <laughs> but we might have had this conversation <laughs> yeah. early into it. So I go through, I look at everything. Uh, I touch off the tool, tools perfectly on the center, go back through everything. He goes back and forth on the cam for like two and a half hours looking for it. Oh, I, so I'm God. like, All right, so I go to the controller. I'm like, oh, let me just look at code. Scroll, 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 scroll. Oh, your spindle's turning backwards. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was trying to God. drill with the spindle turning backwards. And I, <laughs> it was the definition of a face palm moment. And I tried not to give him a hard time about it. It was one of those. I'm like, he'd been beating his head against that machine for two hours. And it was the simplest thing is because he kept relying on the cam to do 100% of the work for him. Oh, God. And so, like, I, I have been a big proponent of multi-screen CAD setups for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a monitor literally dedicated to just proofing code. It's over on the – always on the right side. That's awesome. So, um, the takeaway, always proof your code. Even <laughs> if it's cam generated, especially the start of an operation. Oh, God. You know, you just trust the people you're working with, so you assume that the basic thing is right. So you obviously check everything else until, you know, it's <laughs> you've wasted all that time. 
<laughs> so that, that's that's our that's the weekly the weekly uh, oh my god that's a, that's <laughs> <laughs> uh so i have one i have one too it wasn't uh okay so uh during the summer here i did some work on the house um put in some new cabinets and i needed to cut out some of the the molding of the floor the trim and I have one of those little rotary tools, you know, the little roto zips that are super yep. handy and yep. amazing. I w- was given this for to, uh, given this on Christmas a long time ago, and the first time I used it years ago was like, this thing sucks. This is terrible. And everybody loves that tool. Like they swear by that tool. So I hadn't gotten it out. We're talking, I mean, I was in my 20s. So I've had this thing forever. And um, so I said, all right, I'm going to get it out and try again. So I got it out. I, you know, looked at it. And I realized it's in reverse. (laughs) And I'm like, wait a minute. Did I not realize that there is a little switch similar to a normal hand drill? That makes this thing because it roto zips. You don't think it actually has a reverse. It's just going wah like this. It does. I'm telling you, this thing cut. It's a it got literally, literally what what stubborn pig headed twenty something year old me said when I first got this tool. To just flash forward to now, and I use it, and I'm like, this tool is amazing. <laughs> I <laughs> see why every- the whole time. <laughs> I see why everybody loves it. It cut right through this. This is the cleanest edge I've had. I used it on everything because it's the most amazing tool, and I'm a complete idiot. So, so even those in the most experienced way can completely get in our own ways. So, uh, don't don't be too proud to not be humbled. Yep. Uh, so look with that i think it's uh enough to share and i think that makes for a solid episode so hey like i said we tried to make it short and sweet we went a little bit over 33 minutes but it's not the end of the world so listen with that till we see you next time just remember hey it worked in cad (laughs) take it easy bye